You're listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I'm Pastor Josh. I would like to invite you to embark with me on a journey, a journey of biblical study. Through practical application of the Word of God, it is my prayer that you grow in greater relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Please join me as we journey to the next Stepping Stone of Faith. Hey folks, Pastor Josh here. We're, you're watching Walk Through the Psalms today over here in Illinois and over in South Africa. Shannon Bale, good to see you, Shannon. Hey, How's brother. it going? Good. Hey, we're going to go ahead and open up with prayer before we get started. And I found some, we, we were talking this morning prior to starting, we found some interesting information that you guys would probably find useful. And I'll give you some information to where you can find this chart that I'm going to show you. So let's open up with a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you today, Lord, for your word and your grace and your mercy. Lord, we lift up this word to you today that we're about to share in Psalm 41. We pray, Father, that as we share this word and as we study this word, that, Lord, that you would spend you would spend time with the, with those that watch this and you would minister to them, whether it be in, in, in the future or here live on the broadcast. Father, I just pray that, Lord, you would minister to your people today. Father, that there would be truth found in this word for those that are watching, that others would say, Lord, this is what I need. Lord, this is what I what I desire. Lord, and I pray that that touches people's hearts today. And our conversation, Lord, it touches people's hearts. Lord, I ask that you'd bless our time together. Bless us as we study your word. Lord, we just give it all to you. We ask your spirit to have free reign on our hearts today in this conversation. Guide us and direct us, Lord. And if you take us on paths that are kind of off the topic, Lord, I pray that we are, we are led by the spirit enough to follow you. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, that was a little caveat to things that might happen here uh, on, the, on the thing today. We, we've already could have done another program just by our conversation this morning. But I wanted to show you, have you ever wondered who wrote the Psalms? I know a lot of, a lot of people say David wrote the Psalms. But actually, that's not entirely true. David wrote a lot of the Psalms, but he didn't write all of them. There's 150 Psalms. Some Bibles say 151, but uh, they're, but all, all in all, those Psalms are not only written by David. And I'm going to show you something that you might find interesting. And I'm going to make it, I'm going to put a, take us out of the situation and put this up there so you can really see it. Okay. This is, well, you can see it pretty good there, I think. This is who wrote the Psalms, the Psalmists of the book of Psalms. David wrote, 73 or maybe 12 more than that depending upon the chart here uh, david's worship leader asaph wrote 12 the sons of korah or korah wrote 11 uh, there are 50 psalms roundabout depending on maybe 12 more here that are considered orphans which means they cannot really distinguish who wrote the psalms so or if it was for moral tradition or, or anything like that. Minor contributors, Solomon wrote two. David's son, Solomon wrote two. Moses wrote one. Ethan the Ezraite wrote one. And Heman, we say Heman, we were joking around saying it was He-Man. But Heman wrote one, one-ish, meaning he could have wrote one or two or a little more. 
but these are things I'm going to give you the give you the website where you can see that. Okay, uh, it is at override over not override Bible overviewbible.com. Go to overviewbible.com or you can Google who wrote the Psalms and it should come up. Do that and you and you'll have that chart that I, this is a big chart here. You can you can uh, download it and print it out, stick it in your Bible. Uh, I know Shannon said he'd probably do that just to, for for further reference. But uh, that's what we're going. That that's what kind of what we're doing. And I wanted to give you some, some, uh, some uh, guidance there because a, a lot of people say, "Well, David wrote the Psalms." Well, David wrote some of the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms, but he didn't write all of them. And so those are the things you can do. So go to overviewbible.com or Google uh, who wrote the Psalms, and it should come up for you. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into the study of the word today. Psalm 41 today. Psalm 41. And Psalm 41 is, in fact, a Psalm of David. The one we did last week, I believe I said it was a Psalm of David. In the Bible, it doesn't say David actually wrote it. So in the orphan section of that, we're talking about in this, in this thing, in this orphan section, 31 is an orphan. Okay. 31 or 33, excuse me, 33 is an orphan psalm. It is not a psalm of David. I think I misspoke and said it was a psalm of David. In actuality, it is not a psalm of David. It is an orphan psalm. So it could have been written by uh, uh, oral tradition or from somebody who crafted the book. Um, so it is an orphan. So Psalm 33 is an orphan and I learned that today. Isn't that wonderful? What you can learn when you study the Bible. Now, Psalm 41. Shannon, why don't you go ahead and start that off? I know you've got a few points you'd like to bring out today for your section of the scripture. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start, Pastor, at uh, verse 1, of course, but I'm going to read through 3 if that's okay. That'll work. Uh, okay. It starts out, Blessed is he who considers the poor. And I want to say that one more time because I'm really going to lean into that first sentence we see in this psalm. It says, blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Hallelujah. Verse 2, the Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will be blessed on the earth. Sounds like something I want. You will not you will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. Verse 3. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sick bed. Boy, I'm telling you what, Pastor Josh, just in those three verses, that could definitely preach uh, a, a very, a very long sermon. Uh, I'm getting a lot out of these psalms, Pastor Josh, and I'm really glad we're doing them. Um, what I see here, uh, this psalm starts with, blessed is he who considers the poor. Throughout the word of God, we see that God is concerned for the poor. I was talking to Pastor Josh earlier, all of you out there that are joining us, that all over the word of God, anywhere you go, whether it be the Old Testament, the New Testament, in the Psalms, you're going to see that God is concerned for the poor. 
Now, when I say the poor, I don't mean just in finances. I know that's where we usually always go. And the, and the Word of God has a lot to say about the poor and the finances. He really, really does. But it's also a poor in spirit or even in a physical sense. If you're poor in a physical sense, like you can't move, you're blind, you can't hear. Uh, there, there's a number of things that that, you know, physically sensing it could be. And we see that in our everyday life, don't we? So time again, we see God's heart for the poor. And I want to stress that so deeply because we are in a time, not just I'm not talking about now, but from the time of Adam to the time of now, we have poor amongst us everywhere we go, whether it be in spirit, whether it be in heart, whether it be in finances, whatever it is, there is many poor amongst us. And like I said, in every generation, that is very, very noticeable. If we want to live, and that's what I like about how he starts this song, if we want to live a blessed life, we must consider the poor. Here are a few things to consider. Now, when I say consider, I was looking this up um, on the on the internet today, and I'll give the uh, it's it's called enduring word. It really helps me with my study. So if you ever want to go on uh, the uh, on Google search and just put in enduring word, and uh, they they've got all kinds of good commentaries and things like that. But I got this from there uh, today, Pastor Josh. Uh, consider is giving careful thought to a person's situation. Wow. Giving careful thought to a person's situation. He who considers the poor, number one, trust God with uh, uh, trusting. He trusts God wanting to give from his resources. Now, when I talk about resources, I like once again, I want to tell you this. I'm not just speaking of money. We have resources. We have gifts that have been planted in us to move uh, in, in favor of other people's lives. So if we have those resources within us, we should be giving them to others. Number two is kind. Uh, he who considers the poor is kind to those in need. We have needs all over the world. I'm in South Africa, and everywhere I turn, I see poor people. Uh, we are, it, it's just its just everywhere. Well, you can see it in America, too. There is poor in spirit. There are poor that are asking for food everywhere we go. Number three, he who considers the poor helps those who likely will not help them in return. This is my favorite one. I love being able to help somebody and they didn't even know it was me. It's one of my favorite things to do. If I can get away with it and no one knows that my wife and I have blessed them, oh, it, it just tickles me like no other because I really enjoy being able to give to people, but I don't, I don't want them to give me the glory. I want them to give God the glory. So, you know, when we hear of people in need, we can sometimes kind of do it um, undercover, so to speak. So the Lord will get the glory. Now, we can always say, well, glory to God that I had the opportunity to do that. But boy, if they don't know where it's coming from, they can only give God glory. Uh, number four, he who considers the poor has a generous heart. That isn't something I don't think is always 
um, strong within all of us. Uh, sometimes we have to work at being a generous person. And some of us are even gifted with the gift of generosity. Hallelujah. If you're gifted with the gift of generosity, God says give liberally. Give it. Give it as the Lord leads you to do it. Do it. Number five, he who considers the poor gives for the good of others and not to make himself feel good. Now, don't get me wrong. It feels good to, to give. And it's really nice and everything. But really, what we're giving to is because we want to make, we want to see others happy, but we're actually fulfilling a need. If you remember in the New Testament, I'm going to go here just for a little bit, Pastor Josh. But if you remember in the New Testament, Jesus says, if you've given a poor person a glass of water, if you've given a poor person something to eat, if you've seen a, a person in prison and you came to visit, Jesus said, you came and you seen me. So over and over and over, we see the blessings that come forth from God. And he starts to, he starts to tell us in verse 2 and 3 what those blessings are going to be. He says in verse 2, the Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. I, I receive that in the name of Jesus, and I do that for everyone else here. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. So if our enemies are coming against us, God's not going to deliver us to them. You know, it might look like we're surrounded. We've read that psalm. Uh, he sets a table uh, in the midst of my enemies. Hallelujah. Uh, we're surrounded by God. We might be surrounded by our enemies, but he's setting us up a nice table in the midst of, uh, in the midst of our enemies because he's doing the fight of the battle. And then in verse 3, it says, The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. He will sustain him on his sickbed. Listen, I want you to understand, just because you might give to the poor or you do things, uh, the, everything that the Bible tells you to do, it doesn't mean that sickness will not come to you. It just says you won't be delivered uh, you, you, you won't be delivered to it. It won't bring death upon you. And even, I want to add this, even if you do, if death is added to it, you're still in a whole lot better position because you're going to be with the Lord because you have done the things that God has told you to do. So I like the fact that the Lord will strengthen him. You know, we might be, I've seen people, you've seen this, Pastor Josh, because you're in the ministry, um, where people are miraculously healed. They are, uh, their heart palpitations are taken away or a, uh, a cancer leaves them because, uh, because God has healed them. That, I, I hold on to those types of, uh, those types of um, scriptures whenever I'm going through a, a hard time, which David does in this psalm. You can see clearly as we get into the rest of this psalm that David's going through a, a tough time, you know, as we, as, we, as we dive more into this. But I just want you to realize these are the three, these are the things. If you will, blessed is he who considers the poor. We need to consider the poor. And when I, I want to say it one more time, I know I've hit it pretty hard, but I want to say it one more time. It's not just about the wealth, it's not just about the money, but it's about their hearts. If you see somebody that needs something that you have, and you can speak life into them, you can speak joy and understanding and wisdom into their life. Give it to them. They have need of that. And in turn, I'm not saying this is a switch from God, but in turn, God says, I will bless you. He sees it. David sees it over and over and over in the Psalms. 
Because he does something, God does something. And that's usually the motivation. You know what I mean? For most people. But I don't want to be motivated by that all the time. What I want to be motivated by is the fact that God would use me to speak into someone else's life and take away any hurt or, you know, uh, pain or anything like that 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 is upon them. So I'm going to move on with you, brother. Go ahead. I just want to add a couple things. I know you had you had talked about, you know, giving to the poor and, and providing for the poor. One of the things that we need as human beings, because we're human beings, we're people living in a sin-fallen nature, in a sin-fallen world. One of the things that we as individuals, as Christians, need to guard against is when we are ministering to other people, uh, giving, providing something, whether it be spiritual, physical, uh, whatever, uh, we have to guard our hearts against pride in that situation because it does make you feel good to provide somebody something, whether it be a, a conversation, whether it be uh, to get them through or a convert or, or maybe $20 to get them to their next tank of gas. It, it, it makes you feel good, but that's where we have to guard our hearts to say, boy, look what I did for this person. Look what I provided. No, 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 no. We have to, we have to realize we have to bear down to the fact that yes, we did help those people and yes, it should feel good, but we should not lose sight of the fact that God was the one that led us to that particular situation uh, and provided the funds or the, or the knowledge and wisdom or, or whatever the case to be able to minister to this person. It wasn't me. It wasn't you. It was God that provided those things. And I think we, we would do well to guard ourselves against that and at least to know that we are, we are an, an instrument of God. Not, a, not an instrument of self. And I think if we can, can um, if we can, how do I want to say this, uh, keep that in mind, keep that ever before God, because we are human. We're going to, we're going to feel a little bit of pride and maybe, and then that can turn into, you know, glory goes to me. No, no, no. Glory goes to God because God's the one who provided it. I, I, I do a lot of quoting from James, but James, it's such a great book. I studied it. On, we did it on Sunday night Bible study. Uh, I've done it a couple times, preached through it like three or four times. James 1 says everything good comes from above. So everything good that you provide for someone should come from God. Everything, every idea that you have about the ministry to provide to someone should come from God, not from your own thinking. So if, you know, if you are, if you are, if you see someone who is, poor in spirit or maybe maybe this is something that that was happening um has happened quite a bit here recently and and people have done this for a while i've done it before uh you ever go through like a mcdonald's drive-thru or a fast food drive-thru and say hey add the person behind me their their meal to my meal and i'll pay for that and you just drive away that's something that has happened has been happening and people do that and and it's a blessing for a lot of people we have to understand that that should come from God. That that desire to do that should come from God. Don't don't do it unless God leads you. Because if you do it just because you want to do it, then boy, I get the glory. Boy, I get the, I get the, I get the glory. I get all the stuff. You know, it's it's not God. It's me. I decided to do it. Okay. So I just want to just want to send that little nugget of truth to you today. 
um, before we go on to verse four. Now, now, as I was talking to Shannon this morning, I was saying that I see this psalm as a psalm of provision and a psalm of sorrowful repentance because of the next few verses. Okay. Verse four, Psalm 41. I'm reading out of the ESV today. So it might be a little bit different. Um, but it says, as for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. Now, David was a man after God's own heart. We know that by testimony through the word. He also had his problems, like we all have our problems. If you talk to anybody they, and you ask them, well, what, what character of the Bible do you, do you most identify with? They're going to tell you David. They're going to tell you David because David was was most. Um, I think Shannon, you can agree with me on this. He was probably the most transparent person in his writing of who he was and what he dealt with, and that's why so many people can identify with David because David was so transparent with what he dealt with mentally and spiritually. And he says, heal me for I have sinned against you. My enemies say, my enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? You know, his enemies, he, he, he's at, he's at the end of his rope. He goes on and he talks about, and we won't get into this right, but I'll give you an overview. He talks about even some of his closest friends leaving his side. So he's mournful, he's sorrowful, he, he's repentant. But then in all of that, there's provision. And he knows that. And he understands, he's writing and he's, and he's talking about that in the psalm. And, he, and there's a realization of that. So how can we apply that for our life today? How, how can we apply this psalm? And that's what I would want you to do when you see these psalm, these walks of the psalm things. Because that's what I do. And Shannon knows this about me too. I'm, I'm a... I'm a preacher of self-examination. We're to self-examine the scripture. We're, we're to apply the scripture to our own heart. So the things that we can get from this today should be that we need to be have we, we need to have a heart of repentance and we need to have a heart of knowledge or provision of God. Okay, even in the midst of our of our quote unquote rebellion, we need to be repentant and ask God. To, to minister to us and understand that there is provision there for him. Now, he goes on, or he, he, he says here, he says, heal me for I have sinned against you. Now, the healing here could have been any number of things. Could have been a healing for just his desire to rebel. <laughs> you know, could have been a healing for, for something physical, something spiritual, something emotional but nevertheless he cries out to god for deliverance and that's what we need to be doing can i interject something there pastor sure, josh sure absolutely uh, in the uh, and i'm reading thank you for talking about the esv the bible that you're reading from i'm actually reading from the new king james version so this gives us a little bit of different wording I call it flavor. I like reading from different. I like reading from different um, 
Bibles because it does give you some different wording and things like that, but it still has the same message. So don't ever forget that. It does have the same message. But mine says, in verse 4, it says, I said, Lord, be merciful to me. And I believe yours said something else besides mercy. But he says, it's the same word. It's the same synonym. Be merciful to me, Lord. Oh, I know that I'm, you know, I'm a sinful man. And then I like it says, he says, heal my soul. You know, we have a body and a mind and a soul. He, David's looking so deep into himself that he is just saying, I know deep down in my soul, I need healing. There is so much going on in my life. There's so much going on around me, but way down deep is where the things matter within my soul. My soul longs for you, for your mercy, because I have sinned against you. Shouldn't we be just like that, Pastor Josh? Oh, that we would have that same heart and say, oh, Lord, forgive my soul. Oh, Lord, just continue to work inside of me that, you know, I, once again, none of us are without sin. This is a sin-filled world, and all of us are born into it. We, we speak about this probably every time, but it needs to be repeated. We are sinful man only saved by the righteousness and the blood of Jesus Christ. So we all fall short of the glory of God. Only one didn't fall short of the glory of God, and that was Jesus Christ, his son and our Savior. So not one of us, like I said, not one of us is without sin. But what I wanted to kind of uh, put into this real quick is I had a few more points, like the one, two, three, when it comes to the soul looking, like, like, uh, you peer, like God peers into our souls. Most people can't do that. Most times I won't even see Pastor Josh's soul. I won't understand really his deepest, deepest, deepest things that's within him. Those are reserved for God. God sees all of that. Now that's the when we when we pour out our hearts to God, we're pouring out our soul to God, saying, "Oh God, you know I can't do anything about this. You know everything that's going on inside of me. Lord, work within me." What I wanted to say here is, uh, he wanted healing for his soul. And the three ways David says his whole soul needs healing, and you spoke to this a little, little bit, Pastor Josh, but I just wanted to bring it out real quick. Number one. Heal my soul from great distress. Oh, our soul gets so distressed, especially if we have children or I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to bring it out. I don't have my grandchildren around me and that brings me distress in my soul. I want to hold them. I want to take care of them. I want to watch over them, but I know God has them. But yet I'll be honest with you, just like David was so honest in this, this song that my soul gets distressed because I don't get to hold on to my grandchildren, but yet I know that I'm doing the work of the Lord. So in turn, I know God is blessing my family. I know he's taking care of my family. So number two, it says, heal my soul from the effect of sin. Oh, does sin ever have an effect on us, Pastor Josh? It has, you know, before I was uh, came back to the Lord, it had a very strong effect on my life. I lived a life that, um, you know, I'm not going to pour that out on this right now, but I'm just saying it was a life not led towards God, but led led by or led by God, but led by the enemy of, of God, and that is uh, the devil. Number three, heal my soul of 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 moving towards sin. Heal my soul 
for wanting to go towards sin. You know, we do that and we don't even realize it sometimes. So we have to bring that before the Lord. We have to bring our soul before the Lord over and over. Heal my soul, Lord, because I know you peer way deep down inside my heart and you see everything that's going on inside of me. Lord, renounce that sin. I believe in the name of Jesus that you poured your son's blood upon me and that I can be forgiven for those thoughts or whatever sins entering my soul. Lord, may you cast it as far as the east and the west so I don't have to deal with that anymore. And I think, you know, we, I don't, it reads uh, in some of the stuff that I read about um, uh, as David was doing this psalm, that, that he could have been talking about Bathsheba, the sin that he did with Bathsheba. You know, it's still affecting him. You know, he's still saying, oh, Lord, you know how sinful I am. May you cast this stuff away from me and then it would be gone. So I'm going to lean it back to you, brother. Some of that, um, what you're saying, it speaks to the 2020 person. You know, we all have this desire. And, and, you know, you had said something about David said, heal my soul for the, the desire to walk towards sin. You know, and something came to my mind and I've preached this in my church. And I've this is a principle that I live by, the knowledge of my own life and the knowledge of, of just human nature. When you're a Christian. When the first, I'm going to say it this way, the first time that you give your heart and life to Jesus, I mean, when you're down on your knees at the altar and crying out to God for forgiveness, that very act is, um, how do I want to say, it's contrary to the human nature. It's contrary to the human nature. So that very act is contrary because we are... We live by a sin fallen world. Our our tendency is to walk toward the sin, to to lean toward a sinful life, to lean toward a sinful lifestyle. So the the idea of walking toward God is contrary to our own very nature. So it's very difficult to continue that walk. And when you become a Christian, the first time, the, the very first day. You are having to make a choice harder and harder and harder at first. And, 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 and something that I, that I believe and I, I share with people and I talk to people about is this. When you get saved, when you turn your heart and life to Jesus, that very act, number one, is contrary. Number two, it's hard at first to not, you're going through something, I'm going to use, use this as an example. I've known people that were smokers who'd quit smoking. Something stressful comes in their life. The first thing they do is they go buy a pack of cigarettes and they start smoking again. Okay. Because their body is used to how it's how they deal with stress. They smoke cigarettes. So how do we deal with our life when we are a Christian? It is difficult in a stressful situation for a young, very new Christian to say, oh, well, I'm going to turn to God first. Their tendency is, and our ten, my tendency was, and my I'm talking about myself here personally. My tendency was to go back to the things I used to do, 
because that's what brought me comfort. That's what brought me peace. I had, hadn't, hadn't been in this relationship with God very long, so I didn't know the power of God at that point. So this principle, I say all this to say, the more that you say yes to Jesus and no to the sin and walk toward Jesus, the easier it is to say no to sin and walk toward Jesus. It becomes easier. It's like a, it's like stopping an addiction. Once you once you get to that point of of you know there's a threshold and once you get beyond that threshold it's easier to walk toward Jesus than it is to walk toward sin but here's the kicker okay the moment you say Jesus hasn't done this for me i'm going to go back and i'm going to go do what i used to do everything you have just worked for for the last however many weeks or months or whatever has just began to deteriorate and it becomes easier then to walk back to your towards your old life than it does to walk toward Jesus. And then eventually you will end up in a life that is contrary to God, worse than you were before, and worse than worse than uh, you know, it's, the Bible talks about that. It talks about, you know, when the enemy comes in and sees that the house is swept clean, he brings seven more just like him to to dirty the house up again. When you do that, it's harder to go back to God because number one, you have guilt. I turned away from God. Number one, number two, it's never the same. I don't care what you say, it's never the same because you have the guilt, you have the remorse, you have the remembrance of what you did. Not that God doesn't forgive you, but the enemy doesn't let you forget what you've done. So, as a Christian, as a believer, when we call out, or even as a person, when you call out to God, you turn to God, it's imperative that you stay walking in that direction toward God because you'll end up worse than you were 10, you know, 10 years or five years ago. Okay. So, I, I just want to throw that out there. Uh, and, and I know you had something to interject, Shannon. So, yeah, just, uh, just, just a really along the same lines, and it's the last one, two, threes for you guys, but these were all so good, and I wrote them down in my journal because I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at them. It says, I said, David is so straight up with God as he says, I have sinned against you. We, he already knows that we've sinned against him, folks. We just need to put it out there, but here's the first one. It says, we must be, our confession must be without excuses. Our confession must be without excuses. We don't have any excuses for doing the things that are sinful against God. There's nothing that's going to work. We don't have an excuse to go out and uh, uh, sin against our wives uh, with someone else. You shouldn't do that. That's a sin. You shouldn't do it. There should be no excuses. I don't care what excuse you come up with. That is, a, you know, so like a, David doesn't give no excuses here. That's why we need to be so much like David is. He doesn't give any excuses with his confession. Also, confession without qualification. We're not qualified for any of it, folks. The only thing that qualifies us to be even to be able to even pray and talk to God is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's the only qualification. And really, that isn't nothing to do with us. It's something he's done for us. So, um, you know, that's and then also. A confession without superficiality. You can't just um, say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it and not do it. God's going to see right through that. We can't be confessing things to God and then going back and doing them all over again. 
Those are the same sins. You know, we don't see in David's life him going and cheating on someone else. You know what I mean? So, or, or killing, uh, or killing someone else to get, get, you know, to get a wife, like he did with Bathsheba. You know, we don't see that ever again. He's seriously remorseful and not superficial about his confession to God. So I kind of like that one, two, three point that I saw uh, there on the enduring word again. Don't, don't. Uh, our confession needs to be without excuse. Our confession needs to be without qualification, and our confession needs to be without superficiality.